0: So last week as part of our series, we really talked about industry emerging and what it means to begin the journey. Today we're we're going to focus on the future and what that means. We're going to discuss some tools and approaches that you can use to better understand sales demands and actions to make things and move to start things out and move them forward and also to continue to evolve. Obviously the next few weeks and months are going to be interesting for everybody. We know things won't be going back to the way they were we want to make sure that we're helping everyone so i will now talk about and introduce the panel the first guy there on the left is sam lyosevic he is new to parker avery he has just recently joined us as our chief analytics officer and managing partner sam's been designing and implementing retail forecasting solutions for over 20 years he started when he was two (laughs) (laughs) He's really pioneered dynamic aggregation, and the solutions have been used by some of the largest retail and consumer goods globally. The other guy there on the right side is Joe Skrupa. He probably uh, is known to most of you. Joe recently left RIS News after about 20 years. Again, started when he was two. Been an industry-recognized subject matter expert on all things retail and CPG, and we're really delighted that we've been able to have him on this webinar series with us. And for myself, my name is Amanda Astralega. I'm an associate partner with the Parker Avery Group. I've been with the firm for just over five years, where I came out of industry to join the consulting world. I've been held leadership roles within merchandising and planning organizations and really have focused on allocation, replenishment, and demand forecasting. And with that, I'll hand it over to Joe. Uh,
1: thank you, Amanda. Ah, sense of relief. Uh, <laughs> can you feel it? It's beginning... To happen in retail and business in general, in all of us, in in all of our lives. Now, you know, Amanda, one message that should not be lost as we pivot beyond shelter at home is that the store associate and our delivery workers, and boy, has delivery taken a front seat in in our lives recently, they have earned the high respect from shoppers during this time of crisis. You know, they labored with grace and dignity in dangerous times to supply us with access to food, medicines, and other essential goods. Although they are not critical care or emergency responders, you know, their work was really seen as essential in tough times, and as a result, many people think they deserve the respect that comes with the label hero, and that many people are using to describe them. So this is just a reminder that, you know, when we reopen stores, let's be sure to live up to the high bar set by retail's frontline workers and our, back office workers. Uh, This means that reopening stores in a time of social distancing should be done in a well-planned, responsible way that ensures the safety of customers and workers alike, with a focus on health, clear signage, well-defined tasks, meaningful training, and calm, assured, supportive leadership. There are many things that we don't know about day one. When our stores are going to reopen, or more accurately, when they reopen on multiple day ones that will occur state by state and and city by city. And we've covered many of these unknowns and how to manage them in our previous webinars. Let me say that one of the biggest unknowns is managing the inventory distortion that our planning and forecasting tools have put in place and set in motion before the crisis struck. These tools predict the future for retailers and enable them to place bets on what will sell, how fast it will sell, and in what quantity. Now, however, as retail gets back to work, we know that we can't fully trust these planning forecasting engines for the guidance we trusted them for in the past until they become recalibrated. Now, of immediate concern is the need to rebalance inventory to optimize sales. This means Moving out-of-sync spring, for example, and seasonal products out of stores and restocking with merchandise that has been recalibrated for both quantity and relevance. Predictive analytics will play a crucial role in making this happen, and it will also help us plan the future when we plan and think about the rest of the year ahead. Now, in extreme times like these, there's a big caveat that emerges with these tools, and that's the historical models they are based on can be seriously compromised. What are the major factors retailers need to consider and steps they need to take to get their planning and forecasting tools back into ship shape so they can meet growing but altered consumer demand when stores reopen?
2: You know, so what we're going to look at is we're going to try to understand what are some of the issues that we will see coming out of this How do we recover and react to those issues? And then how do we evolve after we get past uh, past the crisis? Obviously, there's some initial things that are going to have to be done, but once once we do that, how do we evolve so that the next time we see a disruption, hopefully not something like this, how do we adapt and have an easier time of it? So those are the things that we're going to to be covering uh, in the rest of the webinar. All right, so in terms of learning, right, uh, what do we have to understand just coming out of you know reopening the stores, and what are we what are we likely to see? You know there, there could be some grocers out there, and maybe you haven't seen, you haven't seen this disruption uh, this disruption. But for the rest of us, you know where you had the store closures, uh, you're going to see significant disruption in your sales patterns. So what does that mean? So the sales patterns from 2020 are going to look very different than they did in 2018 and 2019. What does that mean for you? Many of your execution systems, everything from planning, you know, replenishment, especially where you have automated purchase orders that rely on your forecasting, those systems tend to use the traditional time series approaches, and they rely heavily on the recent data. So what that means is that the forecast, as you come out of this and the stores reopen, your forecast systems are gonna give you spurious results. And so varying amounts of intervention is going to be absolutely necessary if you're going to continue to rely on, on those systems. We've never seen anything like this before. So if you're a merchant or in the retail world, you, you haven't seen anything like this, but guess what? Your analytical systems haven't seen anything like, like this either. So we're all going to you know have to adapt. So how do we do that? The way that we're gonna recover from this is first and foremost is there's going to be some Relying on your gut, right? So some some intuition is, uh, you know, always start with the easiest answer and then see if more complexity is required. So for example, look, you're not going to be able to throw out all of these forecasting systems. They're intertwined with many of the execution systems that, that, that uh, you have in house. Now, that's everything from planning and pricing to fulfillment and operations. So we talked a little bit about, you know, the, the automated purchase order and the replenishment side, but you're also relying, uh, probably relying on this forecasting systems for, for pricing and planning as well. So the first thing come back and you're getting these spurious results, or spurious forecast, what's the first thing that you can do? The easiest thing you can think of is to impute some of that demand. Start with something very easy. And something easy is LY and LLY. Basically, during the times that I was closed, What if I just take the sales from last year and the year before and use that to impute my sales from uh, 2020? Start there, look at the reasonableness of the forecast, and and then think about doing something more complex. At the end of the day, it has to make sense. You have to believe what's coming out of these systems, what's going into your execution systems. Finally, people are going to make the final decision as to whether they are going to trust what's coming out of these systems. The mitigation plan that you are using has to be intuitive and has to make make sense to you. Having said that, one thing that you are going to wanna do is have a few easy metrics that you can rely on. So before these forecasting systems were driving some of these execution systems or a big part of these execution systems, what did you do? I mean, you relied on last year, LLY, right? Okay. Make sure that you have those me- metrics readily available to you, so that as the results are coming out of these forecasting systems, you can look and say, "Huh, this actually this actually makes sense to me," or "or it doesn't." Having said that, it's not only the, the magnitude of the sales that are that are going to be impacted; it's also going to be the sales mix as well. So, as we come out of this, what you're going to notice is that look, I have a whole lot more fashion inventory than, you know, in, in, terms of, in terms of my mix than I ever did before. So what does that mean? You're going to rely on allocation a whole lot more than, than your replenishment. So your sales mix, all of a sudden, is going to look very different. And even for that, have a few easy sales metrics that you can rely on. So for example, just, just take a look at as, you know, rolling sales mix, class or subclass level, whatever your hierarchy looks like. Have that readily available to you. So as your forecasting systems or these analytical systems are coming up with these predictions, you have something that you could look at and and validate, right? We all know that if you don't have a good feeling about what uh, these systems are telling you, you are less likely to use them and probably go with your gut anyway.
1: Hey, Sam, let me ask you a question about that that feeling that the, the systems may not be as accurate now as they they were in the past and what you should do about it. I'm, w- I'm wondering how effective having a cross-functional team, you know, participate in making those that, that mitigation plans so that as you input that demand brings your, your recent sales cycle into the, you know, analytics and predictive analytic engine, I wonder if there isn't also, as you indicated, more complex decisions that have to be made as to, you know, where the stock is, how operations are gonna you know, get it on the shelves, how the, you know, there's less foot traffic in the stores now. And I, and I think that could come from a number of different departments.
2: That's a great point, Joe. I think that first of all, you're going to want to learn from each other. Not only are you not gonna wanna be siloed within the organization and learn, like you know, have to make sure that the folks involved in the planning functions are, are talking to the folks in the fulfillment function. Well, first of all, that's even more important now is that you learn from each other. And you know what, even even outside, you know, the whole retail community can learn from each other, right? Um, we all compete that this is a time for us to come together. You can learn from some of your colleagues even outside of enterprise. But certainly within enterprise, the communication has, has to be excellent at this point. In fact, some of the best analytical systems today, um, when you produce a forecast regardless of the function, take many inputs into account. So even if you're doing planning, you may take a whole lot of other inputs that may have come from other functional areas into, into account. And that goes for any any of those systems. But that's also true for, for, for the humans uh, as, as well. Good communication is, is going to be key.
1: Yeah, let me jump in. We have a question, a good question from one of our retailers who, who's involved in our webinar today. I'm going to shift it to the, our, our test and learn and test and learn theme here. And what they're talking about is in the short term, how many months should I forecast reduced sales for? And they go, for example, should it be six months? And I wonder if instead of just thinking, well, let's let's forecast for six months, maybe they should forecast on shorter timelines, find out how accurate that turns out to be, and then gradually extend that period out.
2: I mean, I'm going to be very honest with you. Nobody really knows how long you're going to see reduced reduced sales, okay? So if you've seen the models that come, that, you know, we all, where we all watch TV and we, we see different models associated with, with, with COVID-19, and, and many of them are very, very different, okay? The same is true with, with your sales. Okay? No one knows for sure what's going to happen. Now, the best thing that you can do is to make sure that your data is in the best shape to be able to catch the trends as as the data is coming in. So if you have data and a forecasting process that's giving you a stable signal in the short, medium, and long term, you're going to be best positioned to be able to deal with, with what's coming ahead. But in terms of giving a timeline, if it's six or nine months or three months, if someone is telling you that they know, run. Because, because you they, they really don't. The one thing that you can do is this idea of test, learn, test. So, so learn one thing that you could learn, uh, learn quickly. So if I can go back to this, uh, the, the idea of the sales mix, if you, if you have an online presence, which, which many retailers do, you can learn from the changes in sales mix online and bring some of those learnings back to what's happening in your brick and mortar store. I mean, the other thing that's likely to happen right now is you're not going to open your stores all of at one time you're likely to take a staggered approach so learn from each of those phases right and bring that into in, into this process and that will also give you an indication the early the ones that you open early how long will you see the differences in not only the magnitude of the sales but the differences in the sales pattern as well
1: good question good answer
2: so in terms of evolving, so what happens right now? So after we get past past all of this, so we've had a, we have a, we have a mitigation plan. We have imputed some of our some of the lost sales, right? We we have some of our traditional forecasting systems that are operating in a way that allows us to move forward. You know, we have their easy metrics and so on and so forth. So how do we evolve? I don't want to say that there aren't better things that you can be doing. There are actually advanced algorithms that, that that take many inputs into account, that don't just rely on continuous time series that could help you in, you know, future crises, right, or future disruptions in sales. You have systems today, you have algorithms that are decision tree based and deep learning algorithms that allow you to take in things like hierarchy, plan, inventory, uh, location attributes, such as, you know, cases of COVID-19 in, the, in your trade area, for example, into account as they produce a forecast. And those systems will be able to adapt more quickly. So if you may, may not have those systems in place today, you may, st- may want to start to look at those systems as you, as you move forward. Now, this is not to say that you throw the baby out with the bathwater. You know, there, there's a lot of plumbing and a lot of, a lot of good things that are there in your traditional, traditional forecasting systems. And what you can do is actually supplement that with some of the additional, some of the newer technology or forecasting algorithms that are there today. The other thing is, is that, you know, in terms of evaluating some of the supply chain parameters, you know, so so having taking a look at, you know, your week of supply, making sure that your inventory was in a good place, you know, going into the crisis. Look, we've been working with many of our customers where, look, we see that the weeks of supply was out of whack even before before we got into this crisis. So there are things that you can do to, to make sure that, that you are in a healthy place, even, you know, that'll certainly help you as you, as you move into to a crisis like, like this one. So in short, you're going to want to think about a a short, medium and long term plan to be in a healthier place as as before we get to the next disruption, because that disruption will come. It's COVID-19 today. I don't know what it will be or what it will be tomorrow, but there will be something. I mean, that's just the nature of things. In the short term, let's let's work on the systems that we have today. Let's impute demand. Let's make sure these traditional forecasting systems are working for us. Let's have a medium term plan where we start to look at our, some of our inventory parameters like week of, weeks of supply, our service levels and, and so on. By the way, those, those also improve as we have a better forecast. And then long term, let's start looking at some of the newer AI and machine learning systems that are there uh, that, that they can help us in, you know, deal with the, with the next crisis.
1: You know, Sam, I want to follow up on your point about current tools and processes, but, but before I do, I, I want to make sure we're getting in our comments from our attendees to the webinar today. A lot of people are dealing with immediate concern. And, and so one of those concerns has to do with, you know, the, the shape of demand. And there are certain theories out there. Some people call it a V-shaped return of the economy. Some people say it's related to one of our um, attendees says related to unemployment or employment, disposable income. All of these end up shaping demand and, and they're really concerned about the process or, or the management of getting that right. Any suggestions?
2: Yeah, no, that's, that's a very good question, Joe. So, so some of these are macro factors, right? They're, they're, uh, they're the US factors, but they're going to affect each trade area in a different way. So if you look at a particular store, Or if you look at the sales associated with the stores, then then those factors, you know, I call them location attributes are going to affect each store differently. So as you implement more advanced AI, ML, ML systems that take more than just the continuous time series into account, they can take some of these location attributes into account that you can look at your unemployment, you know, even, you know, in this COVID-19 crisis, the the, the cases of COVID-19 in a particular trade area the faster you will be able to adapt to, to, to some of those location attributes. And this is why, you know, at least in the mid or long term, you're going to want to look at approaches that take more than just your sales pattern into, into account.
1: Another good question from our, an, an attendee, and this has to do with time frame of mitigation. And this this attendee is talking about implementing a demand planning system in as little as six weeks, but let me expand that for you. You can answer that question too, if you want, but let me expand it and just say, how long do you think a mitigation process will take?
2: The obvious answer is the shorter, the better. And the, the way to make that process shorter, so you can get back to using some of the systems that you have in place, is to start with easy easy mitigation strategies, all right? The most intuitive ones. So some of those, you know, where you have to impute this, 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 this demand so that you have a sales pattern that your traditional forecasting systems can use. Start with LY L Y. Convince yourself that something more complex is needed. You know when your stores open, your, when your stores close, you have the sales from the year before, and the year before that, you can easily use those to impute the sales that you have. Something very easy and intuitive, and then what you do is run the system, run the system, and look at the reasonableness of the forecast, graph out the forecast values of moving forward for whatever horizons required. Take a look and ask yourself, is this reasonable? Does this look good to me? So easy and intuitive mitigation strategies are are, are going to be the best at this, at this point.
1: Okay, let me get back to my question about uh, your current tools and also one of our uh one of our attendees is asking this question too and and i do know that that many planners you know are, are are using you know more simpler you know spreadsheet things which also can have as you indicated you know algorithms based in a decision tree format but but nevertheless there are there are more advanced tools and and so i'm guessing that the more advanced tools that you have the more flexible they could be can you describe how those more advanced tools can can help you move faster in a time like this?
2: What they can do is they can take more inputs into account. So instead of just looking at your you know, near term and last year's sales, right, or looking at that sales pattern and just basically fitting to that sales pattern and extrapolating, that's, that's traditional time series forecasting, whether you're talking about ARIMA or exponential smoothing models, anything like that right? What they can do is actually take a whole lot of inputs like plan, hierarchy information, um, uh, location area attributes, like unemployment in your particular trade area or in your know, things of that sort to make the prediction so they can faster adapt to the disruptions like the ones we have today. But again, to emphasize, this is not something that you need to, I mean, if you don't have it that, that in place right now, You don't have to worry about this is not the first thing that you're going to want to deal with because your traditional, if you're relying on traditional time series methods, they're likely through, you know, involved in every function of, you know, that that you have today. So they're in your planning, your pricing systems, your fulfillment systems and so on. The first thing you're going to want to do is make sure that those that you get those systems back up and running and giving you a result that you can utilize right away. Right. As you get past this crisis, then, and, and as, you, as you worked with also some of your, of course, your min, maxes and, and uh, you know, inventory level, the settings and so on and so forth, right? once you get past that and you start to get into the medium and long term, then what you can do is start to think about, well, wait a second, if I have this type of disruption again, let, let me make sure that I have the systems in place that I won't have to go through this type of mitigation in the future.
1: We have someone who is certainly a cutting-edge planner, and they're talking about video analytics and RFID and, and leveraging AI, and And the way I look at those tools is they help you be more responsive. They help you get more real-time data. They help you make decisions quicker and better and more accurate, and not everybody's going to have those capabilities. but. But if you're if you're looking at investing coming out of this he- heading into 2021 or in early 2021, the more you can invest in tools that give you faster data, faster responses, such as those that we were mentioned here, video analytics, RFD, etc. That's going to certainly give you an edge to be agile. No doubt. So, in terms of the re- recap,
2: again, I, there's there's a few basic points that 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 I want to make sure that you know that we take away from this. A mitigation plan is going to be required. There's going to be some intervention that's going to be required. Regardless of how sophisticated your systems are at this point, I am sure that there is some sort of a forecasting system driving many of your functional areas. Therefore, you know some intervention is required. The easy, easy and intuitive intervention is best to start out with, then convince yourself that something more complex is required last year, last last year. Your sales mix is going to be effective. You're going to be seeing set answers coming out of your system. Have a rolling sales mix report, you know, as you start opening your stores to, to give you some sort of intuition as to or invalidation for some of the analytics that are coming out. You've been relying on LI and LY and LOI for many, many years. Th- those type of reports are also a great thing for you to have at your fingertips, right? For validation. Finally, you know this this, this idea: of don't throw the baby out with the uh, with the bathwater. So when I talk about some of these, uh, many of your planning systems and execution systems, there's a lot of plumbing around the analytics. So many times, instead of just ripping out the entire system, you can actually inject the the, the newer analytics for a better answer. And and lastly, limit manual. For uh, intervention, right? So that goes to easier is is is, is best. Don't don't try to go to product by product to try to impute in future sales or see what you can do with the sales pattern. Try you know use an easier approach that could be you know last year or last last year to grab some of your sales at a higher level and impute some of that demand and that you can then take down to to, to the lower levels.
1: You know, one, uh, one of our webinar attendees today has a, has a question. It's, it's, I think we've addressed it a couple of times, but it's very specific. So let's, let's, let's address it specifically in the wording that they use. They're talking about how should we make the balance of having a top-down plan, which after you've mitigated your system, you've got an overall plan, but how can we then have some bottom-up Input that comes from specific locations and states that are rolling out more slowly in some states The, the, the traffic is going to come back more slowly. How how can you balance the two the the top-down and the bottom-up? analytics
2: So this is where I Amanda, talked about the pioneering on this approach called dynamic aggregation This was an idea that there is no right level to aggregate your 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 data so if you look at a bottoms up approach you have very little information at the lowest at the lowest level so a fast-moving product is one per one per week for example per store one per store per week right and you can't apply you can't apply anything at that at that level and as soon as you aggregate up and move towards a bottom-down approach you know there's information loss and like you said you know there, there may be information in a particular store versus another store and you lose some information so there, there are approaches like dynamic aggregation which allows you to aggregate that data to the right level where you have enough information but you don't have this information loss to produce your forecast so to your answer and i think you're looking more for a less analytical answer here but really there may not be a less analytical answer the question is uh, between bottom-up and top-down, what is, what is the better approach? They're both not the, the, the way to go. Really, for each of your store product combinations, each one of those has the right aggregation levels. And there are new techniques that allow you to aggregate your data to the right level to produce a stable prediction or forecast for the short, medium, and long term.
1: So for me, and I'm sure our attendees, that concept of dynamic aggregation is definitely one of the major takeaways here from our webinar today. Sam, do you have any last comments to add before we wrap up?
2: Well, the way that I that I look at this, it's things look a lot worse than they are. Look, we're all going to get through this. Times are going to get uh, to get better. Keep a level head and. We'll all be better on the other side
1: of this. Absolutely. As I said, there's a sense of relief, and it's great to be getting back to the work of retail, which I know we're all so dedicated to. And I want to let all of our attendees know that you know we are going to provide a transcript of today's webinar in a blog. And also, the webinar is available for replay as well. Just go to the Parker Avery website. And you'll be able to access that. Uh, certainly tell your colleagues about it if they missed our webinar today. And Sam, thank you very much for providing us with that really good practical approach to recalibrating your predictive analytics. Much appreciated. And Joel, thank you so much for your insights. And thank you, everyone, for attending our webinar. See you again next time.